Gazette Newspapers presents the Parting Shots Podcast. The Parting Shots Podcast is brought to you by Trophy Case, the app created for athletes by athletes. Downloaded today, available for iOS and Android users in your app store. Now, here's your host, Daily Gazette Associate Sports Editor, Ken Schott. Thank you, Scott Giese, and welcome to the Parting Shots Podcast. Available on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Subscribe today. Thanks for joining me. This is a special edition of the podcast as we preview the area Division I college basketball seasons. Three teams open Tuesday. The Siena men against American, the Siena women against Binghamton, and the UAlbany women against Columbia. The UAlbany men open Saturday against Lehigh. I talked to all four coaches. We'll start with the newest head coach in the area, Siena's Carmen Massarello. He takes over for Jamie and Christian, who left Siena after one season to take over at George Washington. Massarello is a Shenandoah High School graduate and a Siena graduate. Gazette Sports Editor Mike Kelly, who will join me later on the podcast, had a great feature of Massarello that you can find online at dailygazette.com. Here is my conversation with Carmen Massarello. Carmen, thank you for coming on the podcast, and uh, how excited are you for the season? Oh, can't wait. It's, uh, you know, that's an anticipation. We're just making sure we're staying kind of focused on ourselves, getting better every day. So, uh, super excited, but, uh, you know, making sure we're uh, doing everything we've got to do to prepare the right way mentally. For you personally, it was a very interesting offseason. Uh, one minute you're probably out recruiting for uh, Jamie Christensen, and next thing you know, you're the head coach of the team. Just, you know, talk about that whole situation. I mean, just uh, you know, how crazy was it? And, yeah, how excited were you to get the uh, head coaching job? Uh, it was, uh, you know, it was definitely, uh, you know, exciting. And, you know, you're, you're an assistant one day and uh, kind of just figuring out your recruiting, you know, schemes and where you want to go and what guys you need to see for the April recruiting period. And then, uh, you know, coach brings us in and says he's on the move and uh, that, you know, he wants me to get the job. And, uh, you know, then it was just kind of phone calls with the board of trustees and, you know, it was, uh, you know, pretty seamless. So I did a great job here just uh, letting me know that I was wanted and they wanted guys and uh, just making sure our guys were in a great spot. You know, there's so much to think about and really not much time to reflect uh, during those, you know, three to four days. You have the New York State Federations going on at Glens Falls. And, uh, we have Luke Sutherland playing in that, so I made sure I got up to see him. And then, uh, you know, it was, uh, you know, status quo and, you know, you're dealing with phone calls and reports and press conferences and writing speeches. And uh, my family was actually in Florida. My mom and dad were away, so they didn't get to be at the introductory press conference. So it was uh, it was super exciting, though. I, you know, I wouldn't trade that experience for anything. But it had, it had to be shocking when it was announced that he was leaving. I mean, did it catch you everybody off guard? A little bit. You know, I think you know, having his son, Jacoy, down that way made it a lot easier for him to make the decision being here uh, at Siena and you know obviously we love our basketball here and you know he just felt a chance to come home his brother was there in DC you know his son obviously was down that way too and uh, you know he was able to kind of get back to, to home into a program that he got to you know love growing up as a kid down there in the DMV and you know, pretty similar to my situation here where now I'm fortunate to fight over a seat and get to you know coach a program that I you know got to play for and worked for when Fran was here as a director of ops and then, you know, for Jamie and as an assistant. And obviously now, uh, you know, I feel fortunate enough because there's so many good coaches out there and none get the opportunity to slide over a seat. And, uh, you know, you got to have some luck. you got to work hard and you got to pay your dues. And you got to, you know, kind of keep doing it regardless. And uh, I was lucky to catch a break. Yeah. And then, you know, as soon as you take over, Jalen Pickett decides to enter his name into the NBA draft. He eventually pulls out, but uh, was that a little bit of a, you know, I wouldn't say frightening experience, but maybe just you know, you, a little nervousness, uh, wondering if he was actually going to stay in the draft? No, we actually talked about him entering the draft when I was named head coach, and I wanted him to go through the process. I mean, that's everyone, every basketball player's goal is to have a chance to play in the NBA, and he had a chance to get great feedback. At one point, he was thinking of not doing it, and then, uh, you know, talked about it and you know nothing bad could come from that now obviously you got to deal with the, the pressure and the accolades and the interviews and people talking about it and you know the percentage of guys that make the NBA 
percentage of guys that were drafted that actually will be in one year or two is really, a uh, pretty small percentage. You had so many guys declaring for the draft from BCS level schools, and they're in the G League on two way contracts. Uh, you know, and those G League two way contracts, you know, you can earn some NBA money when the G League ends and you move up to the NBA team because, you know, you have uh, so many days and you have 10 day contracts and you can kind of a uh, bigger pay scale. But when your contract's up after that two years, or even after that one year in a two-way contract, most of those guys end up overseas playing somewhere. How much will will he benefit from being, you know, in that process, and how is that going to help him, uh, you know, better you know, for this season? You know, I think it's it's showed him, you know, what he has to work on, which is the most important thing. Uh, you know, how the NBA looks at everything from you know, leadership to how you dress when they send you a car service to pick you up and bring you down to work out. Uh, for their front office, you know, because everyone communicates, right? So that car driver knows and is going to talk about, you know, was he on the phone? Was he talking? Did he talk to me? Did he open the door? You know, did he say thank you? Um, you know, was he on time? I mean, all that stuff is important. So, you know, I think that'll be one thing for him that he'll be able to grow from. And then just realizing, hey, you know, they want guys that want to be the best in the world in all that they do. They just don't want a player that can do one or two things great. They want guys that are great teammates, you know, great in the community. And, you know, I think Jalen does a great job of that. As far as the uh, rest of the team is concerned, uh, you guys finished in a four-way tie for second last year. It surprised many people. Uh, But when the preseason poll came out, you guys were only picked sixth. Uh, I know coaches like to say, oh, they don't care about polls and all this stuff. But, I mean, is this a motivator for this team to say, look, this last year wasn't a fluke? I'm of that same thought where the preseason polls mean nothing. I think if you look between third, fourth, fifth, and sixth, it was separated by maybe seven votes. So when it's all said and done, you got to go out and produce, and that's why we're playing a very challenging non-conference schedule, and we'll test ourselves to get ready for MAC play. And even when you play well in the MAC and get a good seed, it doesn't really matter. You still win three or four games in Atlantic City when it comes down to it. What? Will you do differently this year than we saw last year with this team? Is it more up tempo than uh, last year? Yeah, you know, we'll, we'll try to get to the free throw line a little more. We'll try to make sure we're, uh, you know, crashing the offensive glass to get some second chance opportunities, and we'll look to, you know, make sure we get out and run and score in transition. So, you know, I would say those three things are probably uh, the, the biggest difference. You know, obviously, I'd love to say we want to play as the fast pace in the country, but you know, we'll take baby steps and we'll definitely play faster than last. Uh, how about some other names you want to mention that could stand out this year for you guys? No, I'm excited. You know, I think we have a great nucleus of guys. You know, Manny Camper's done a great job just working working his tail off, working on his jumper. And, you know, I think he'll be a guy that can kind of slide between a couple of different positions. Elijah Burns, who's healthy and eligible from Notre Dame, is a graduate transfer. Uh, is excited. We welcome him back home. Obviously, he's from college. And uh, Matt Hines, a graduate transfer from Illinois State, who's a winning pedigree from the Missouri Valley Conference foe. And Jordan King was a local guy, sharpshooter, uh, super tough, highly motivated. Um, you know, and then you still have Don Carey, who sat out from Mount St. Mary's as a freshman. And, you know, we got an influx of new guys. And then, obviously, like I said, you talked about Jalen and Jimmy Rowlett returns from the team from last year, uh, who was injured for a little bit, but he's back healthy now. So, you know, it's, it's exciting. Uh, Sammy Friday's done a great job. We'll have a bunch of guys that can kind of play up front behind Elijah. You know, Kyle Young, the freshman from Sutherland, the freshman. And then uh, Denzel Tuchang, obviously, uh, another guy that makes few minutes at that forward spot. So, you know, looking to play with, you know, four perimeter guys in a, in a forward. Uh, don't ever really want to say we play with a center. We're more into positionless basketball. But it's uh, it's going well. You know, these guys are all working hard. And, you know, ideally, I'd love to play 9 to 11 guys uh, and reward them for competing and playing hard in practice and then giving it up on the floor. And when they're exhausted, it needs to blow. They can come out. Have you decided on a starting lineup that you can tell me if you want to? I mean, I can, I won't tell anybody. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I haven't decided on a starting lineup. I think that'll be uh, to everyone's, uh, you know, surprise when that ball goes up because I still don't know it. <laughs> uh, as far as the rest of the MAC is concerned, is it it's going to be another tight, uh, tight uh, league this year? Yeah, I think so. Uh, you know, you look at all these great coaches, great teams. 
already. And obviously, Steve Messiello and Adam brings back Paulie Cap, who was defensive player of the year two years ago. And, you know, so there's never going to be an easy out. Shooting Holloway and St. Peter's has done a great job. So, you know, I think the, the coaches in this league are all good recruiters. They all have great staff. And uh, we're all a little bit different. You know, the school kind of has a different kind of allure. And so, you know, I, I'm going to talk about Jay Young at Fairfield. You know, last time Fairfield won, I was working with Coach Simon, one of my assistants, Red Cooley. So, you know, there's so many different things and so many little backstories in the in the Mac which makes it a cool league too and just excited to go out and compete every single night and I think our guys are too. Last question for you. I mean we're, this you know 21st century social media is a, a big deal now. I mean does that make recruiting easier or tougher and you, do you have to monitor uh, recruits uh, Twitter accounts or Instagram accounts to make sure these guys are you know not doing anything silly? For sure. For sure. There's guys I've, I've said hey you know I'm not offering this kid a scholarship. I can't even trust what he's going to write on social media or what pictures he's going to post. And it even comes down to teaching our players, you know, you can't like something that's going to be controversial. You know, there's a record of what you even just like with that social media uh, imprint out there. So, you know, it's definitely good uh, because it gives you kind of more insight into the players that you're recruiting. And so by having someone tasked with knowing the social media handles of guys you're recruiting, it does help because, you know, I'd rather have guys that work in silence than want to tell me every day they're working out in the gym. Well, Carr, appreciate a few minutes here on the podcast. Uh, good luck. And, uh, you know, I know you're looking forward to Tuesday night and uh, have some fun. Thank you so much. Appreciate you. Next up is Will Brown, who is beginning his 19th season as the UAlbany head coach. Last year was a tough season for Brown and the Danes. They had a losing record, but they had a young team and were starting five freshmen by the end of the season. Brown talked about that during our conversation. Well, thanks for coming on the podcast. Well, I appreciate you having me. Well, I appreciate you coming on. I know you're busy getting ready for the season. Uh, you're starting your 19th season at uh, UAlbany as a head coach there. I mean, it's an incredible run. Uh, you're the longest tenure coach in the American East Conference. Did you think when you started uh, 19 years ago you'd be here this long? And how happy are you and as you begin your 19th season in New York? Um, well, you know, obviously I've enjoyed uh, my 19 years here at the university. Uh, they gave me a tremendous opportunity at a young age. Uh, no, I did not expect to be here um, for 19 years. I think to be any place, uh, you know, in uh, college football or college basketball for 19 years, uh, you know, is uh, a rarity. It doesn't happen very often, but uh, I think in my case, uh, I found a place that um, has supported me that I really enjoy working at. All, the Albany area is a great area to raise a family. Um, so happy wife, happy life. And, uh, you know, I do have the opportunity to coach quality student athletes, uh, you know, each year. You know, kids that are hungry, kids that want to learn, and kids that you can have an impact on their lives, uh, you know, every single year that uh, you're around them. So uh, it's been a lot of fun. Um, you know, I think we've accomplished a lot, but I also think there's a lot more left to accomplish. Well, last season was a tough one for the, for you and the team. Uh, they went 20, uh, 12 and 20 last year, but it was a young team. Uh, by the end of last season, you were starting five freshmen. Uh, what did you learn about uh, that season, and how will it help in, in regards to the players getting, gaining experience for this season? Yeah, you know, well, obviously uh, we had to deal with a little adversity, you know, heading into last season. Uh, our two most talented players uh, left uh, and went the grad transfer route. So, um, you know, we kind of had to look at our roster and, and figure it out. And, uh, you know, we decided uh, to go with four freshmen most of the season starting. And then, you know, the last eight to ten games of the year, we started five freshmen. And it was quite a challenge, but, you know, it was an enjoyable experience uh, for me outside of the record because, you know, the young kids worked really hard. Uh, they wanted to make their coach happy. Um, you know, they were trying to find ways to win games. And, you know, uh, every day was an adventure, but, you know, these kids really bought in. And I thought late in the year we were playing really good, you know, 
know, basketball heading into the conference tournament. So I saw the growth and development. Uh, it was nice to see the maturation process, and uh, those young kids uh, gained a lot of valuable experience that hopefully will bode well for us this upcoming season. Uh, prior to last season, we had been invited to, I believe, eight straight postseason tournaments, and uh, you know, last year was something that uh, we hadn't been used to. Uh, we dealt with it, we adjusted, and uh, you know, I think we'll be better off for it moving forward. I mean, did you find yourself being more patient last season with this team than previous teams because it was a young, inexperienced team? Yeah, I had to. I think, um, you know, by the time we got uh, to conference play, I've, I kind of figured out where I needed to be in regards to uh, my patience level and not getting too high, not getting too low, and just trying to stay as even-keeled as I could because I think with a very young group, if they see you all animated and uptight on the sideline, uh, I think they'll get uptight. And, you know, I wanted to make their jobs easier, not more difficult, and, you know, the kids embraced, uh, you know, what we were teaching and preaching, but, you know, patience was definitely tested, and I think that's an area uh, where me uh, as a coach, uh, especially last season, probably improved the most. Speaking of improvements, what improvements have you seen in this team so far and in the preseason practices? Yeah, well, I think uh, all of our returning players have gotten better. Uh, which is nice to see, and you know they have a year under their belt in, in most cases, and um, they understand what it's all about. They understand what a non-conference season is about, and then the rigors of conference play and a conference tournament. Uh, our new guys, I think we've added a nice infusion uh, of talent. Uh, we will not start five sophomores this year, um, but we will have uh, much better depth and, and talent this season. Uh, we had an unfortunate injury to a uh, one of our talented transfer guards, Jojo Anderson, a transfer from Nevada, who has already averaged double figures at the Division One level. He had meniscus surgery. Uh, we're hopeful he'll be back at some point in December, and uh, he will really add another dimension uh, to our team. So, you know, we do think we'll be much better. Uh, I do think that this year in particular, there'll be more balance in the league than there's ever been. I do think Vermont is... Uh, the best team in the league. They return the most on paper, and they have the returning player of the year in the league. But I think there's another four teams, in my opinion, that are, that'll be pretty good. And I, I think we'll be one of those four. Um, so I, I think there'll be a nice competitive balance. Um, and I think at the end of this season, a lot of talented upperclassmen will be graduating, and then that's where I think we can take a giant leap forward. I think we're definitely going to take a leap or two forward this year and be much, much improved from a year ago. But I think uh, when these young kids become juniors and seniors, um, we'll have a chance to compete for a regular season title and a conference tournament title, in my opinion. I don't know if you must have read my script ahead of time. There's a couple of questions I wanted to ask you about. One from Matt Anderson, one about the American East Conference. But let me ask you, Anderson, what does he bring uh, to the team once he gets in the, in the lineup? Yeah, I think a year ago, we were just inconsistent. It didn't matter if it was offense, defense. Uh, what he brings is a ton of energy. He brings experience. Uh, he gets to the free throw line, so he's getting into the paint consistently with the ball. Uh, last year, the only guy we really had that would get in the paint consistently with the ball was Ahmad Clark, so a lot of pressure was put on Clark to make plays, uh, especially late in the shot clock. I think when we went to Canada this summer for to play some exhibition games, we played with Clark and Anderson on the floor together, and it took a lot of pressure off of Clark. Uh, we became a lot more aggressive off the bounce offensively, put a lot more pressure on the defense. So he's a guy that can make plays, whether they're for himself you know, or his teammates, uh, and he gets to the free throw line, which is very important uh, you know, to me. Uh, we have... You know, Donnie, Coach Donnie Bassett on our staff has been uh, been around him for a very long time. He and you know he taught me 25 years ago. You know, he hammered over my head. You know, hey, we got to make more free throws than our opponents attempt. And uh, you know that has stuck with me uh, as a coach as I've gotten older and evolved. Want to get as many free points as we can, and JoJo helps us get to the line, get into the bonus, and get some free points. 
You mentioned Amaya Clark, and he's a player that started was a starter for most of the last season before coming off the bench towards the end of the season. Uh, he recently, uh, my, my colleague Mike Kelly uh, had a story about him, and he, uh, Clark said that although he would like to start, if he came off the bench, uh, he would do whatever he has to do to help the team win. And he said he was cool with whatever you uh, and the coaching staff think needs to be done. What does that say about him understanding his uh, role with the team? You know, Ahmad's, Ahmad's a really good kid. He loves the game. Um, you know, I just think sometimes uh, sitting on the bench, uh, it's not a punishment. It helps put things in perspective. Uh, and as a point guard, you can sit back and watch the game. Um, you know, I think uh, in league play last year, Ahmad was just inconsistent. And, you know, I think he put too much pressure on himself to be the guy. And not in a selfish way, but to be the guy that helps us win, to consistently make plays. And, you know, there's going to be some nights where we need him to get 20, and then there's going to be some nights where we need him to get, you know, 10 points and 8 assists. And he's got to be willing uh, and understand what we need on certain nights. And he's really worked hard in the offseason. We're trying to get him to change speeds a little bit and not just play fast and play off two feet. And, um, you know, he's had a good spring, summer, and fall. Um, I mean, regardless of whether he started or came off the bench, he was our second leading scorer uh, last year. And uh, we're expecting big things from him this year. And I think consistency is the most crucial uh area that we really need to see the growth. And as we take this segment here on October 29th, you're, and your opener is November 9th against Lehigh, you have said repeatedly in many numerous interviews that, and you said it uh, here, here earlier in this interview, you won't be starting five sophomores this season. So the big question, have you uh, figured out a starting lineup yet? No, no, I have not. Uh, you know, to be honest with you, I think our our front court will be set with, uh, you know, Hanson and, and Luca up front. Um, you know, Hanson, the transfer from Savannah State, something different that we haven't had in a while up front, long, athletic, active. Um, you know, and then on the perimeter, uh, you know, we have four really good options right now without um, – Jojo Anderson, uh, and that's, you know, Clark, Healy, Rizzuto, and DeSouza. Um, it's just a matter of, uh, hey, do I want to start DeSouza and go with our best defensive and rebounding lineup? Do I want to start uh, Rizzuto and Healy and uh, go with more of a potent shooting lineup? Um, the good thing is we'll have uh, a lot more options than we did a year ago. Uh, you know, do we want to play Healy at the point and go with Rizzuto, you know, and DeSouza uh, on the wings and have two really good defensive wings? So, you know, uh, we, we're going to shuffle it around. Uh, you know, those four guys that I mentioned on the perimeter, I mean, there's 100 120 minutes on the perimeter between three positions and you know if four guys are playing those three positions you know that's 30 minutes a game I'm not sure it'll play out that way just because uh, I really like the way uh, our freshman from Iowa, Trey Hutchison, uh, has been playing. I actually started him in our in our last scrimmage. Um, you know, he will not start uh, opening night, um, but he's a guy that's really going to help us, um, you know, this season. And, you know, like I said, once, once JoJo comes back, that'll change the dynamic again, and we'll take Malachi and probably play him some in our front court, um, and some people might think that's playing small, but Malachi is six six and long, so, you know, the good thing is if we can stay healthy slash get healthy, um, you know, we'll have plenty of options, and, uh, you know, we're just going to play it by ear. Um, the Lehigh game is, has crept up on us pretty quickly. Uh, it's amazing to think that we're a little over a week away from, you know, the home opener slash season opener, but, you know, it's an exciting time of year. I know you you're a big hockey guy, but there's nothing better out there than college basketball, and uh, March Madness is the best sporting event out there, so, um, you know, a little bias from on my end, but, you know, this is a great time of year, and, uh, you know, we're looking forward to it. Well, my son's a student at UAlbany, and I, I told you that uh, when I saw you back at the uh, Coaches versus Cancer Basketball, maybe I'll have to, you know, drag him out to a game with me in one of these days when I get a chance to get a night off. Yeah, 
Yeah, that would be great. You know, we'd love to have you. You know, I'll leave you some tickets. Just let me know when you want to come, and, uh, you know, we'd love to have you both. Well, I appreciate that. Yeah, you, you mentioned Vermont and the American East Conference as a class. I mean, is there a dark horse team that could challenge? Could you be that team? Yeah, I, I mean, again, uh, I think that uh, if we're healthy, um, I think we're the type of team that can make a run in the American East Conference tournament. Um, I'm not sure we're mature enough as far as experience-wise uh, to win a regular season title right now, but... That's what I'm trying to learn about this group, and that's what the non-conference season, you know, is for. I just think that Vermont is the clear-cut favorite. They have somebody that nobody else has, and Anthony Lamb, uh, and there's nobody close to Anthony Lamb in our league. You know, I I, I think that uh, you know we're going to be pretty good. I think outside of us, if there's a sleeper team in our league, it's probably UMass Lowell. Uh, they return five starters, and they can score an awful lot of points, and they play in this small gym um, that is just different than any other place in our league, and it seems like they always shoot like 70% in Costello Gym, and they're tough to beat at, uh, at home. So, you know, I think uh, the best thing we can do is uh, control the controllable and worry about ourselves, and uh, you know, make sure that we're competing at a high level every day, and our execution is on point, and uh, you know, just uh, you know, take baby steps forward. Last question for you: um, You know, you're active on Twitter at UA Hoops WB. How has uh, recruiting changed in the age of social media? I mean, does it make it any more difficult? You know, it's crazy. Uh, I'll be honest with you. Several years ago, one of my former players, uh, Brent Wilson, who was working for me on staff, Brent's now the head coach and assistant athletic director at Sullivan County Community College in the Catskills, he came in my office one day and he said to me, Coach, we have to set up a Facebook account for you. These kids are all over Facebook. This is how uh, you know you recruit them now. If you're not going to call them, they're all over Facebook. And now I don't think any of these kids are on Facebook. Everything is, you know, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat. Um, it, it's amazing what you can find out about kids. The one thing that social media has helped us do, and kids don't even realize this, it's helped us screen our recruits. Uh, their interview for a scholarship without even knowing it because we've eliminated kids just based on some of their social media posts uh, where I've we've been like, yeah, we don't want to touch this kid just based on some of the things that are posted on social media. Um, and then you as a coach, you need to be careful, especially if you're active on social media, you need to be careful what you post uh, on social media because once it gets retweeted or it gets out there, there's no way getting around it. So, um, you know, and nothing's private, uh, you know, anymore. Everybody finds everything out about your program and posts it on social media. But from a recruiting aspect, you know, social media, you know, it, it has helped. I mean, you can uh, communicate with kids. A lot of kids like to communicate via social media. But, you know, again, you can find out an awful lot about uh, an individual's, you know, character or personality, you know, based on social media posts. Well, Will, I appreciate you coming on the podcast. The good luck this season. We'll keep in touch. Well, thanks for having me. And again, if you and your son, anytime you want to come to a game, reach out. We'll take good care of you. I appreciate it. Well, thanks a lot. You got it. Coming up, I'll talk women's college basketball with Seattle head coach Allie Jacks and UAlbany head coach Colleen Mullen. You're listening to the Party Shots podcast, available on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Hi, this is Hunter Moffitt, founder and CEO of Trophy Case, the app created for athletes by athletes. Our app is a community connecting like-minded athletes, families, and sports affiliates for their specific needs. Positive form of social media designed for long-term success. We have a template for users to easily curate, track, record, and grow their statistics and social multimedia content in one digital profile. Create, connect, and promote your brand. Think Instagram for athletes.
Notable Trophy Case team members include Ron Jaworski, former NFL quarterback and founder of Jaws Youth Playbook, who says, Throughout my success in the sports world, I believe Trophy Case can bring value to many different levels of athletes and unrepresented sports. This platform will level the playing field for athletes at the beginning of their career with technology for generations to come. You can download the Trophy Case app and the Apple Store and Google Play. Send us your feedback. Trophy Case, the app created for athletes by athletes. Get it today. Welcome back to the Party Shots Podcast. I'm Daily Gazette Associate Sports Editor Ken Schott. Allie Jacks is beginning her eighth season as a Siena women's head coach. She's looking forward to making basketball fun again for the Saints. And she also talked about her getting married recently during my interview with her. Allie, uh, welcome back. Welcome to the podcast. Appreciate you coming on for a couple minutes before the start of the season. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it. Uh, one of the things uh, in one of Mike Kelly's stories about the women's program leading into this year is uh, you mentioned at Media Day you wanted to get back into loving basketball. What did you mean by that? Well, I think that when you have a team full of players that are passionate and competitive and care about basketball, I think it shows when they step on the floor. So, um, you know, sometimes the season can be a long one, and I think with all the tumultuous things we had last season between injuries and everything else, um, I think it really wore our, our kids out a little bit. Um, you know, it's hard to ask players to be able to carry over you know, a three-on-three drill when you actually only have seven people in practice into a five-on-five game. And I think that, you know, I made some of them just frustrated with the situation and frustrated with basketball. Um, And we had some uh, spring cleaning, I guess you could say, and got some, you know, excited, young, competitive bodies in and uh, flipped our roster over a little bit. And I think it. hopefully it's been for the positive. How much soul-searching did you do after the uh, season? Not much. You know, I, I love basketball, and that's why I coach. So um, it's important to have players in the locker room that are going to put that on the floor every day. And if they're not, there's a lot of other things they could be doing um, in their college years than, you know, sacrificing the way um, our players have in the past. So um, I didn't have to do a lot of soul-searching. I know what I'm about. At 43, if you don't, you probably are in trouble, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> probably when people end up having midlife crisis. <laughs> well, I just turned 56. I'm, I'm way past that. My, my part. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, talk about you know the player. Who, who's your t- top returning returning player? Uh, yeah, Sabrina Piper's our only senior right now, and um, you know she. She's French. She goes home every summer, um, and I think she put a lot of work in. She she had a personal coach back home, and um, you know came back just like a senior should. You know the game's easy for her right now, and she's able to help our younger ones along. And um, quietly, she's really setting the tone. Um, I came back the other night to do some work, and she was in the gym late getting shots up on her. You know, with one other teammate. So um, you know, those are good signs. That's what you want as a coach. You want players in the gym working on their craft. Did she uh, feel any sense of pressure being the only senior and maybe being the leader on this team to, to, guide, to guide the younger players? Um, you'd probably have to ask her that, but I don't think so. I think Sabrina's mentality is, is um, she doesn't get worked up too much about that stuff. I think part of that's just who she is, her culture growing up. Um, you know, she wants to do well, she wants to have a great season, and she wants to leave her mark, uh, and I think that's just normal. I mean, it's going to be a young team. How patient do you have to be with this team? Yeah, you know, it's patient, but they're a very competitive group. So, you know, they're actually a little impatient when things don't go the way they want them to go, which I think is a good sign. Um, you know, they, they, want to be, they want to be good. And they have been, you know, they, they've really accepted coaching so far. Um, you know, and, and I think that that's been refreshing um, to coach. You know, I, I think this team listens and applies and wants to get better. And if we tell them they're not boxing out well enough, whatever tone we tell them in, they don't take things personally. They try to go box out. Um, and and that sounds so simple, but you know, I think that there's been plenty of studies done on millennials and how they handle criticism. And, and this group is just, they want to get better and they keep it simple. 
I'll ask you a little more about millennials in a second, but uh, you know, the... I'm not the expert. As <laughs> <laughs> uh, far as the freshmen are concerned, who's been standing out for you in, in, in the preseason practices? You know, it's been somebody different every day, which can be a little unsettling as a coach because you're not quite sure who you can depend on. But we've had some pretty great performances, um, you know, in our scrimmages and um, just looking forward to, you know, actually playing, uh, playing a real team in a real game. But the upperclassmen don't get rattled too much. Um, you know, I, I think they've I think they've done a really good job of holding down the fort. Uh, and our sophomores have all really improved. Um, you know, and I, and I think our freshmen, each one of them brings something really unique and different to the table. And, um, you know, I, I think Julia Howard is going to be a special player. Um, you know, she can stay healthy and, um, she's, she's just, she's really talented. She does a lot of things really well. Back to the millennials a second. I mean, I'm asking all the coaches I talk to here on the podcast. Um, we're in the age of social media with Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat. How is that? made recruiting for you? Is it make it easier, difficult? Because you, you obviously, you know, some of these uh, uh, women you want to recruit, I mean, that's like, if you, do you check their social media? Do your assistant coaches check that out? Because I mean, sometimes these kids uh, put stuff out that they don't realize could be harmful. Yeah, and we cut them off the list if it's something that we don't want to be associated with, honestly. Um, it's, it, it's tough. I, I think that... Um, We've definitely moved on from certain players um, just because of that. And I think that, you know, I, I think other players, I mean, I've got a couple on our team right now who have no social media, which is really refreshing. Um, but then, you know, it's, it's, it's the new way that news is delivered, you know, and you got to try to figure out what's real and what's fake, I think. Um, it's difficult. I, I don't. I think the biggest thing that's tough about coaching millennials is they always want to know why, you know, and, and I think that comes from always having a phone in their hand where they could Google something and get an answer, you know, um, when my dad told me to do something, I did it, <laughs> you know, I didn't ask why, I got in trouble for asking why, and um, it's just, I think it's a generational thing, they, they need to have some ownership and understand why they're doing something um, to trust you. Well, we have to, I, I go back to the rotary rotary phone days. I don't think if he's showing millennial, that's like, it's like what the heck? How, where do you put that in your pocket? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah, before we start our interview, Ali, I congratulated you on your uh, marriage this past summer. Talk about that whole story. It's a great story involving your husband. Thank you. Yeah, we um, we went through a lot. He went through a lot last year, and, and I guess us as a couple, we got married, we got engaged. Um, July 4th and he started having some back pain in August and um, you know after some tests revealed that he had stage 4 um, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma so um, you know I, a lot of that is still a blur to me um, you know because I think it's just everyone's like oh you know you, you know, how did you get through that and you don't have a choice you figure it out and you get it done you know and um, he's really inspiring to me just because he never quit, and it's it's not an easy disease to fight, um, as anyone who's gone through it understands. Um, and so he started feeling better. You know, once he was finished with treatment, he started feeling better, and we didn't want to get – he didn't want to have a wedding, and I didn't want to either until he felt really good and up for it and everything. And sometime in the middle of July, he kind of looked at me and said, I'm tired of the fiancé stuff. I want to be able to call you my wife. I was like, all right, well, let's have a wedding. So we planned it in about six weeks and um, had amazing coaching friends, family, people that are really close to us make the trip and be there. And, um, yeah, somebody got a hold of it with the New York Times, and somehow I ended up in the style section. Uh, you know, I have no idea how all that happened, but I guess people like a, a happy ending and a good story. So um, hopefully... You know, the I, I was lucky. People really stress about weddings, and I refused to do that. I just wanted to have a great time. So we went into it with no expectations. Um, just wanted to have a, a great day, and we did. So it was a uh, best day. Really, really fun day. And how is Mark doing right now? He's great. Yeah, um, yeah he's great. He's he's working out a lot. He's got a lot of his strength back. Thank you for asking. Um, you know, I don't think he's going to be working this year. Is oncologist suggested that if he could take the year to really recover, 
you know, when your body goes through that, it, it affects everything. And, um, you know, he, he might look to do some, you know, some personal coaching here and there on the side. I mean, ultimately he wants to get back into coaching. And I understand that, you know, we're basketball coaches and it's not a job, it's who you are. And when it's missing, it's really tough, you know. So, um, I, you know, ideally he wants to get back into coaching college, but, the grind of it, you know, being up until 3 o'clock in the morning, having game plans ready, the travel of it, you know, probably isn't what's best for him physically right now. But, you know, I would say probably sometime next year he'll look to get back in. Do you guys give each other advice basketball-wise? Yeah. yeah. Yes, definitely. We don't always like it. <laughs> <laughs> but he's the smartest person I know. Um, I don't know if he would say the same about me, but, um, yeah, he, uh, we uh, – yeah, we definitely talk basketball. We talk all sports. We just, you know, watch the World Series and stuff like that. We're both Yankees fans, but, yeah. My condolences. <laughs> I know. Well, that had to be tough. That had to be tough watching the Astros end up blowing that series against Washington there. Yeah, it, it, was, it was just strange to me that the home team didn't win one time. I mean, that's just so odd to me, yeah. but, you know, it, it, was, it was good baseball, so. Okay. Well, Allie, I appreciate a few minutes talking to Seattle women's basketball. Good luck this season, and we'll catch up with you down the road. Thanks so much. Home opener is Tuesday, so come out and support us. We'd love to get some more fans in the stands. And we have a big game in December, so put that one on the calendar. All right. Thanks, Allie. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Colleen Mullen enters her second season as the UAlbany women's head coach. The team got off to a rough start last season, but did well in America East play, getting to the conference tournament semifinal. She talked about what she learned about the team last season. Colleen, uh, welcome to the podcast, and how are things going? Great, Ken. Thank you so much. Everything's going well. That's good. Uh, you we're coming up uh, the the opener on uh, November 5th. Are you guys ready? We shall see very soon. <laughs> um, we've got a scrimmage here coming up this evening, and we've got two days of practice. Um, to prepare, but we, we're making strides every week and just focus on getting better every day. So um, hopefully we'll be we'll be ready to go um, on Tuesday. I guess the big question for you is uh, Kara Frames. What's her status at this point? Right now her status is she's going to be playing, so that's mm-hmm. exciting. Um, we're still kind of unsure of um, you know what her long term status will be, um, and she's kind of day to day. Day to day to day to day, um, but we will, you know, just kind of monitor her in practice and, and see how she does. And uh, as of right now, um, she'll be playing. Has she said any complaints about her, her injury at all? No, she's a tough kid. She is somebody that wants to be practicing. She wants to be in the drills, and you know, for us coaches, we have to make sure that we're really and us and the athletic trainers are, are monitoring her and. and you know, holding her back because she's not one to, to complain. Um, and she certainly wants to play through any sort of discomfort that she has. But we got to make sure that we're, we're saving her and being smart for, for when the games begin. Well, last year, your first year at the helm at uh, Albany, you got off to a tough start, 1-9. and nine. But once you got in the conference play, you guys got better, ended up finishing 13-8, and eight, getting to the uh, America East Conference semifinals. What did you learn about this uh, team last year, and how is it going to help this year? Yeah, I mean, I think I learned that this team is is a really resilient group, and their their the culture of the program is really strong. And it started a long time ago with with the way Coach Abe created this program and the way Coach Mack continued it. Is that they're a group of winners. And although in the beginning of the year we we lost more games than they had in, in recent memory, um, the team stayed bought in. They they stayed focused, they stayed committed to each other and the coaching staff, and they got better every day. And, you know, I think infrequently as a coach, do you get to experience such maturation in a season um, and watch your players really grow and develop and build their and, and, and watch their confidence grow. Um, most of the players that were that were playing had been a part of a lot of success um, at UOMINI, but they hadn't actually been the ones that were expected to be in those moments to win those big games um, or they were on a limited basis. So they really had to learn how to win. They had to learn how to play together. They had to learn how to create their chemistry on the floor um, and learning a new system offensively and defensively and just getting on court experience. Um, you know, that, that development and that teaching throughout the year really paid off uh, in conference play and towards the end of the year. 
you know, the team could have, you know, going, starting one and nine, the team could have just you know, folded and said, we're done. We're just going to play through the motion. But what, how much of their character did you see come out of them and say, well, we're not going to, we're not going to stand for this. We're going to continue to play hard. We're going to practice hard. We're going to turn this thing around and make it better. Yeah, I mean, I think that if you if you came to a practice when we were one and nine, you would have thought we were nine and one. Um, they were practicing so hard, they were bought in, and I think it really comes back to a credit to my coaching staff, the relationships that they built um, from day one when when I took the job in May. Um, we started the the relationship building process and, and creating the trust with the players, so they were bought in, and we we spent a lot of time and effort on building our culture and, and leadership development. And I think, you know, when you're one and nine and things are not going your way and we were losing close games and we were, um, we, we had, we would play a top team in the, in the country and then we would play, you know, a not as talented team and our schedule was, was really kind of choppy for them to get into a flow. They could have easily been pointing the fingers at each other, um, giving up pointing the fingers at me, you know, as a new coach, like this lady doesn't know what she's talking about. We're not going to listen to what she's, what she's saying. Um, but the culture and their, their confidence in each other and in our staff, it, it, it showed Then we went three and 10. And then after three, we were three and 10, we, we won our next 10 of our next 15 games. Um, and it was just, it was really impressive to see because they could have chose to roll over and give up um, and they didn't, and they just got better and better. And to the end, our opponents didn't want to be playing us because they knew the confidence that our players had and, and the, the level at which they were playing at. How's that going to carry over into this season? I mean, do you think you could challenge for the American East title? I mean, I, 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 I'm worried about Columbia. <laughs> um, I have no idea um, where this team um, is, is destined to go this year, but I, I do know that it's, it's we're, we're destined to continue to get better. We are very young we have six freshmen and we've had some some pretty severe nagging injuries um you know Lexi Schechter has been out since last March she only returned in the middle of September uh, um you know another returning starter has been out for the last three weeks um with, with a foot injury and so we, we we've been having some 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 pretty difficult practices having more freshmen practicing than returners. So that always poses a challenge of, you know, as a freshman learning to, to compete at a really high level for a two to two and a half hour practice. Um, and that in the preseason is, it can be really difficult, but um, it's definitely going to be a process where we're focusing on teaching every day, just like we were last year. We were still teaching in March. We're going to be teaching um, for, you know, the whole year and we're going to continue to bring the freshmen along we're going to we're going to need to have the freshmen some of the freshman players especially at the guard spot they're going to provide some depth for us at the guard spot um but they're going to need to be able to be ready to play and we're going to need them to to have consistency in order to be successful and and have the success we want to have in the non-conference to prepare us for the conference play but we really need to be playing our best basketball as we head into conference uh, after the holiday you mentioned the six freshmen. I mean, does it make your job more difficult or more or more fun because you're teaching these uh, uh, freshmen uh, the uh, life of college basketball? I think it's just it, it's one of those things where it's just like it, it's a really fun part of coaching. You know, they're they're six you know young people that have their eyes wide open. They they can't even believe that they're you know they're finally a Division One player and they're trying to be a sponge and listen to everything you say, but they're also having to try to adjust to a new role, you know, coming from their previous programs, their high school programs, they're the star. They're the ones that have taken the most shots. They're the ones that, you know, um, the offense is, is surrounded around typically, or, you know, they have a huge pack impact on the defensive end and they're coming in and they have to now fit into a role. You know, they have to fit into a more established system that is, is already in place. And, and that takes a special player, especially as a freshman, to kind of identify where they can fit into that and then trying to, you know, play within a system but also play to their strengths and, and continue to improve. So um, I, I think it's really exciting. They're great kids. And I think that they're, they're value added to our culture. They're value added to the locker room. Um, and they're going to be, you know, players that in, in the future um, are going to bring a lot of success to the program. Uh, you mentioned Coach Abe and Coach Mack. I mean, obviously, there's been a you know, turnover there with the coaching. Uh, you, you're starting to you say you're starting your second year. I mean, how important is have stability with with the coaching staff? 
not, not have all these changes. But the, the players, I mean, obviously, the players, you know, they're recruited by one coach and then another coach comes in. I mean, it's, how much how much of an adjustment was it for you last year? Yeah, I mean, I think it's, it's a difficult thing as a student-athlete to experience a coaching change. Um, so the seniors this year are were recruited by Coach Abe. So that's kind of the last recruiting class. They were not coached by Coach Abe, but they were recruited by her. Um, so, and last year, I mean, Heather Forrester had played for three head coaches in four years, and Cheyenne Canada had played for four because she transferred from Temple. And that's just a lot of um, uncertainty for a student-athlete, and it's a lot of adjustment to different systems and just feeling like, okay, I haven't had these relationships with these coaches since high school. Most of the time when you play for a coach, you've known them since you were 15 or 16 and junior year in high school, and they recruit you and you build a relationship with their family. And then when you come, you've chosen to play for them. Um, and I was in that situation as a student athlete. My, um, I had, I had gone to Rhode Island and I had a coaching change. And I think because I experienced that, um, and then I ended up, of course, transferring to New Hampshire after my sophomore year and finishing there. But um, I think I, ha- I was more sensitive to that because I had gone through it. And I knew how nervous I was when a new coach that hadn't recruited me had taken over the program. And I think I learned a lot of how to handle that. And I think I learned a lot of things that maybe didn't work um, from that experience. And I really wanted to, to be a posit- create a positive environment environment for them and to let them know that you know they chose to come to you albany for a reason they chose number one to come here for the education and that i was bought into that and i wanted to see them graduate from the university at albany so i was committed to making sure they were going to have success in the classroom and then the second piece is that i cared about you know them as a as a person and i know that they chose to come here and play in a very successful winning program and that if they trusted me and they gave us some blind trust in the beginning that it would pay off and then i would try my my, my, our staff and myself would work tirelessly to try to create an environment of success and, and, and an environment of positivity so that they could become the best player that they could be. And eventually the program could return and, and work towards getting back to that, to that, to that winning culture. Final question for you, colleague. Um, you know, we're in an age of social media. Yeah. Obviously student athletes are on Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, all these uh, social media platforms. As a, College coach and someone who recruits players. How important is do you follow certain you know, social media? Do you you know do you have to weed out some of these people? I mean, some of the tweets they put out. I mean, potential recruits. You got to say, well, I don't like what they're putting up on Twitter, and it's probably not worth recruiting. I mean, it it it, it has a significant impact. Um, I think it starts with our own players and just teaching them and, and, and making sure that we're training them on their digital footprint that's that's long-lasting, that's a lifetime. You put something out that, to the world, um, and it follows you for the rest of your life, whether you think it's private or you think it's on the Snapchat or whatever. It, it, it creates a digital footprint um, for you, and it sends a message of, of who you are and what you represent. Um, and I think, it, it, I think part of recruiting, is it, it, it's an inexact science, and sometimes you look at social media and you think, oh my goodness, like what, what are they putting on social media? I, this might not be, you know, a young lady that would fit into, you know, our culture and our values. If, if I feel that way based on a social media um, tweet or posting, you know, then we would certainly move in a different direction. And we have done that before. And we do look at all of our social, all of our recruit social media, um, every single one we look up, um, we ask them to follow us. We look at their pictures, we look at their postings, but I think also, you know, they're kids and, um, sometimes kids make mistakes and they need to, you know, have the opportunity to, you know, make, if they've made mistakes, I, I'm not somebody that's gonna, you know, completely change my, you know, bias on who they are if it, it might be something that's more innocent um or something more of from a maturity standpoint but certainly as it comes to cultural values or respect um you know that that we have a zero tolerance for that well colleen i appreciate a few minutes uh talking uh you all women's basketball good luck this season we'll I'll keep in touch during the season great thanks so much Hey, pro football fans, it's time again to match wits with other pro football fans and win a prize by playing the Daily Gazette's You Pick'em football game sponsored by River Sportsbook. To play, 
Go to dailygazette.com slash football and make your picks before the first game kicks off each week. If you have the most weekly points, you earn a $100 gift card to ShopRite. Play every week, and you can win the grand prize of $1,000. Play the Daily Gazette's You Pick'em Football game, sponsored by River Sportsbook, at dailygazette.com slash football. Back on the Party Shots podcast, as we preview the uh, college basketball seasons of Siena and Uoni, and the man who covers both teams for the Daily Gazette is the Daily Gazette sports editor, Mike Kelly. Mike, uh, thanks for joining me on this basketball edition of the Party Shots podcast. I know we've been talking a lot with uh, high school football with you this season. Now it's time to focus a little bit on the basketball teams. Uh, just your general thoughts on the uh, seasons for these teams. What's going? What do you think is going to happen? Sure. I think, you know, on the men's side, I think both, uh, you know, UAlbany and Siena, you know, probably looking at seasons where they're, you know, expected to contend in the top four of their conferences. Um, I think both those teams are, are, are probably more overall talented than they were a season ago. Um, obviously, with Siena, there's kind of the entry with a new head coach, with Carmen Mazzarello taking over. Um, but, you know, I think both those teams should be improved from a year ago. Obviously, Siena was kind of a, a surprising success last year, while UAlbany kind of struggled through a season with five freshmen starting um but uh yeah but, but both those men's programs i think are you know gonna be you know flirting at least with winning 20 games this year um it should be a lot of fun for both of them uh, focusing on Siena, the men fear uh the fact that you know, they had the coaching change uh the jail and pickett situation where he entered the nba draft there was some uh you know we didn't know for a time if he was going to stay in there and eventually he pulled his name out of the uh out of the draft but uh I mean, this this could have been a really a, a, a tough off season for them, and it just seems like it's you know just uh, smooth sailing right now as they get ready for uh, Tuesday night's game. Yeah, you know, it, it would be interesting to go look at how you know other other programs, you know, this past off season who had a coaching switch, and you know how much roster turnover there was compared to a place like Siena, where where really it's you know they lost one potential rec- they lost one signed recruit. They lost Sloan Seymour, um, and then they get everybody else back who, who could be there. Um, so, you know, in, in terms of an offseason with a coaching change in college basketball, you, know, you couldn't ask for a much better, much smoother offseason than the one they just had. I think you're right about that. Um, and it sets them up to, you know, be able to, you know, have a, a lot of consistency from the way they were last year um, when they had kind of the, the surprising success. Uh, now they can really build on it uh, this year. That they stayed in house, uh, you know, hiring Carnes, you know, promoting him from a assistant coach. I mean, just, how much of a factor is that helping the team, knowing that they know this coach, they know what he is, he's like, and that just helps them instead of bringing someone in from the outside. Yeah, I think that's kind of. Uh, I think there's two parts to that. Is that one? There is that comfort level because they knew him. He recruited a bunch of them. Um, there is that relationship that they can kind of carry over, you know, the camaraderie from a season ago. I think the other aspect to it is that uh, Nassarello has been an assistant for, you know, a decade, decade plus, um, you know, in, in the college basketball world where, you know, I think there's a confidence that he's ready for this job, uh, you know, and it's not just continuity for continuity's sake. Uh, you know, this is somebody who can come in and, and he's ready to be a head coach. Let's look over to you, Albany side. With uh, last year, they had a, you know, a down year. I mean, they were, you know, it was a young team. They end up towards the end of the year starting five freshmen. Uh, you know, Will Brown has mentioned that he doesn't plan on starting five sophomores this year. Uh, in your opinion, what? How much did last year maybe help this team? Is going to help this team uh, uh, play better this year? Yeah, you know, I mean, last year obviously, I mean. A lot of guys got a ton of experience, and more than that, some of those guys are pretty talented. So those are, you know, those are guys they can count on this year who had some reps now at the Division One level, um, and it puts them in a really good spot for this year. It, it, it's, um, you know, I think it's really impressive what they were able to do. They had so much turnover two off seasons ago. Obviously, everybody talks about you know the grad transfers that left with Primo and Nichols, but from from that season to uh, last season, they, they lost eight players uh, overall. So you know it, it was a total rebuild last year. 
Um, and they really laid a foundation with that season to, you know, kind of get back to winning this season. Yeah, when I talked to Will earlier in the podcast, he was mentioning, I asked him how, about how important was it was for him to be patient last year with this team. How did you see him handle this? I mean, was he a different coach last year than in years past? Was he, was he a, a more patient coach than maybe in previous years? I think he was more patient in the sense that he was willing to let freshmen play more. He was willing to experiment more with some different lineups to kind of see guys in different scenarios. They played small a lot last year, which is something that, you know, Will Brown teams are not known for doing. And that was done last year because, you know, A, the roster fit that, but B, that also gave some different guys more opportunities to get those, to get those reps. Um, you know, I think in terms of, I think he coached every game to win, um, but I think it was also, you know, with an understanding that we're going to try to win with these freshmen because long-term, that's what we have to do. Let's say over you Albany with the women's team, uh, Colleen Mullen, uh, they had a, also had a down year. They got off to a tough start last year, but they rebounded toward the end of the year. I mean, how do you see them? Are they going to you know, challenge again for the America East? Probably for this year, it's probably too much for to expect for them to to truly contend in the American. Uh, you know, we've written about it in the in the pages of the Daily Gazette. The, the program went through three coaching changes in a matter of four years, or two coaching changes in a matter of you know three years. They had three coaches in, in four seasons, and when you do that, you you kind of you know you lose classes of players basically. This year, you always got six freshmen. Uh, you know, in, in Colleen Mullen's first real recruiting class. Um, so the intrigue is to kind of see how, you know, those players perform. Um, I do expect, I mean, they had a winning record last year in conference play, so I think it's it's fair to expect that again. Um, but, you know, really contending for a title, that's probably a lot to ask of this program in year two with, uh, with Colleen Mullen. Let's look at the Siena women. Allie Jack back again for another year. It seems like that program is always in a state of flux, Mike. Just it seemed like some 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 of the players leave early. And uh, what what is your thoughts about the Siena women's program? Yeah, I mean, I think these last couple of years have been tough for them. Um, I mean, they've had, as you mentioned, they've had uh, you know, a couple high profile players transfer out of the program. Um, you know, it seems like after each season. Um, so, you know, it's been kind of a, you know, constant state of rebuilding. I think the thing with them this year is that there's, you know, they're, they, they're going to play a different style. They're going to play faster. Um, they have some players in place in, in their freshmen that they like, as well as a couple of veterans who, you know, who, who had pretty, you know, or one of them had a pretty strong season last year in Sabrina Piper. And then they have some other players who they like how they've progressed, um, you know, Similar to Albany, I, I don't think it's probably not realistic to expect them to contend for a title. They were contempt in the MAC, um, but this is a team that if they can get a winning record in the MAC, um, you know that would be a pretty strong step. Uh, you know, a, a strong step in the right direction. Man, man, how important is it for them for to win at least a game in a tournament? They, they, they mean they they were you know, should have won the game last year and they lost that one. I mean, how important is it to, for them to you know win a game in the MAC tournament? Yeah, I mean, I think when you get to that point in the season, I, I think that probably will become, you know, the realistic goal for them is to win a game in the MAC tournament. I, I think, though, they're so young um, this, for this upcoming season. They're going to be so inexperienced um, that, you know, this is a true, you know, day-by-day, week-by-week team that I, I don't think that anybody there is necessarily thinking of the MAC tournament or, or even at this point, MAC play. I, I think this is all about you know, game one for them at this point. Well, you're going to be busy on Tuesday night with a doubleheader at the uh, Times Union Center with the men, women and men playing. Uh, how excited are you to get the season going? Yeah, it should be a lot of fun. Hey, we, we've been covering a lot of high school football, a lot of other uh, high school sports, and uh, we've gotten to the point of the year where it's not that much fun to be outdoors. So <laughs> being in an arena will be great. Um, there's, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not over at Union Hockey, so there's no ice involved. That, that's great for me as well. Um, and it should be a fun year with four teams who, you know, have a lot of different storylines. What's wrong with you and the ice? That's, that's not that cold in the, in the uh, Mesa rink. Uh, 
Ice, by definition, is icy and cold. <laughs> let, me, let me ask you one final question. Your predictions for the teams. Where do you see them finishing in the regular season? Oh, okay. Uh, for all four of them? Yes. <laughs> uh, oh, okay. I think uh, I'll, I'll start on the men's side. I think the Sienna men, I, I, I think in the regular season, that's the top three staff teams. They were picked sixth. I think that's really low. Um, the math these last couple of years has been super unpredictable, though. Um, that you know, I think if you're you know if you're picking a, a specific place, um, you know, I'm not going to do that. I think that would be foolish. But I see that that I think that that's the top three MAC team, um, you know, during the regular season. Um, for for you Albany on the men's side, I think that it's realistic to expect them to be the second best team in that conference. I think that should be, you know, they, they won't say that to be the second best team is their goal, but I think I think it should be. <laughs> I think Vermont's still, you know, obviously the, the top team in that league, and uh, I think Albany, with the talent they have, there's no reason to think they couldn't be second. Okay. What about the women? What do you and think? Then, sure, sure. I was, I was taking a breath. <laughs> <laughs> well, we know how your predictions um, we know how your predictions go, so people are probably going to go the opposite. Yeah, well, that's what they should do. So yeah, yeah I'm just I'm telling people what's not going to happen. Um, I think Sienna, I think the Sienna women, you know, they're they're probably looking at a season where they finish in the bottom half of the MAC. Um, you know, it's a league that had a fair amount of turnover. Um, so I mean, there's you know, I guess there's some hope there that you could be more competitive than people would think. Um, but you know, I think if they're if they're competing to have a home game or to to be the higher seed, not a home game. To be uh, to be a higher seed in the MAC tournament, um, I think that would be a success for them. But I, I'd imagine they're kind of, you know probably fall in that six, seven, eight range in the MAC. Um, and I think the Albany women, I, I'll, I'll pick them to finish third. Uh, that's actually where they're picked in the the coaches' poll, and I, I think those coaches actually did a really good job with their poll. Um, so I'll, I'll take them to finish third in that conference. All right, Mike. We'll follow your coverage all season long and in, uh, in the paper and also online. At DailyGazette.com and also on your Twitter feed. What's your Twitter handle? Bye, Michael Kelly. All right. Well, thanks for coming on, Mike. All right. Thanks, Kenny. And that will do it for this special edition of the Parting Shots podcast. My thanks to Carmen Massarello, Will Brown, Allie Jacks, Colleen Mullen, and Mike Kelly. The Parting Shots podcast is brought to you by Trophy Case, the app created for athletes by athletes. Download it today. Available for iOS and Android users in your app store. The Party Shots podcast is available on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Subscribe today. If you have questions or comments about the podcast, email them to me at shot, that's S-C-H-O-T-T, at dailygazette.com. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Slapshots. The views expressed in the Party Shots podcast are not necessarily those of Gazette newspapers. The Parting Shots Podcast is a production of Gazette Newspapers. I'm Daily Gazette Associate Sports Editor Ken Schott. Thanks for listening. I'll now catch you next time. From the Parting Shots Studios in Schenectady, New York, good day, good basketball.